Welcome to The Commentary, a weekly conversation about vision, worship, and life at Grace Presbyterian Church. I'm Mark Bertrand, the pastor of Grace. My fellow commenter in today's episode is Cameron Brooks. Together, we'll explore what the attitude of a church like ours should be toward other Christian denominations. Is God at work outside our community? Is there anything that the broader church can teach us? Do we need to be on guard against those who are not on the same page? We'll also talk about how we can contribute to those outside the confines of our church. But first, I'd like to tell you a story. Long before I was a pastor, I was a teacher and a storyteller. As a novelist, I've always been interested in how works of art communicate their messages. And when I started lecturing on Christian worldview, it was natural to use books and songs and movies to illustrate the various philosophies out there. When I started preaching sermons, I just kept doing the same thing. One Sunday, to make a point, I referred to a scene from a movie. But it wasn't a movie that I could exactly recommend. The scene really made the point well, but would I encourage people who hadn't seen the movie to go out and watch it? Not necessarily. Well, that afternoon, I got an email from someone in the congregation. Hey, what was the name of that movie you recommended in church this morning? And I was like, wait a minute, I just mentioned it. I wasn't recommending it. I'll tell you another story. In an essay I was writing, I quoted an author who said something insightful on the topic. But this was a writer who, in most other respects, I didn't agree with. In fact, it was someone I vehemently disagreed with. But this one thing he said, that was right. So I quoted the good observation, and I left it at that. I didn't add a qualifier explaining that this was the one thing this guy had written that I could support and that everything else he said was wrong. I didn't add a footnote warning people not to read his books, nothing like that. Now, to some people, what I did makes perfect sense. But to others, especially these days, it seems almost reckless. We like to have everything labeled with warnings to make sure that our opinions are never ambiguous and that it's always clear what we condemn and what we approve of, what side we're on. But along with this spirit comes a certain reluctance to acknowledge when someone that we disagree with has said something good or has made a valuable contribution. How could someone I disagree with do anything worthwhile? Or so we tell ourselves. I don't know about you, I find this kind of anxiety utterly exhausting. And more importantly, I think it's out of step with the whole trajectory of good theology. If what we believe is true, then we should be filled with confidence when it comes to the wider world. And if God is who we say he is, We should expect him to be working in mysterious ways and to be working in places and through people that we wouldn't always recommend. Now, maybe you agree and maybe you disagree, but keep this tension in mind as you listen to our commentary in this episode. I hope our conversation will at least help you better understand where grace is coming from 
when it comes to our relationship with other churches and with the wider culture. Well, Pastor Mark, I know you just returned from another session at Worldview Academy where you were you were teaching. At Worldview, you probably run into some encounters with other denominational Christians, Christians who aren't PCA, Christians who aren't Reformed. And I was kind of curious what your thoughts are about denominationalism, to use a huge word, but also just about Grace's stance as a church towards other churches. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I'll say I've been teaching at Worldview Academy during the summers for, I think it's going on 20 years now. Mm. And technically speaking, when I began, I was a Baptist, not a Presbyterian. (laughs) So that changed. Let's say I was a I was a Presbyterian in my heart, but not yet a Presbyterian in reality. All right. And so I made that change while I was actually involved with Worldview Academy already. So for people who don't know, Worldview Academy is an academic summer program for high school students. We teach week-long leadership camps at universities all over the country. And these camps and their curriculum will focus on Christian worldview on apologetics and on leadership. And the faculty that teaches comes from a variety of backgrounds. So you have some people like me who have more uh, confessional backgrounds and others who come from more Bible church or evangelical Mm -hmm. backgrounds. And we are uh, united in our commitment to Christian orthodoxy, but in terms of you know, our, our ecclesiology and our particular beliefs about Christianity, in some cases, were quite different. And so I think the question naturally arises, you know, how do you as a, as a Presbyterian and, and a really committed Presbyterian find yourself being a co-laborer with people who think Presbyterianism is is at best tolerable mm. and, and at worst, perhaps <laughs> something much worse than that. And I think it's a good question. It's one we all really need to confront because as believers, we find ourselves in a larger, broader church that is divided, like you say, along denominational lines. Mm. And, and is it you know, a situation where only our denomination is truly saved uh, or even drilling down only the people like me in my denomination are are truly saved? Mm -hmm. Or do we want to have a larger sense of what God is doing? And I think clearly as, as people who believe in a sovereign God in a God of, of election and predestination a God who accomplishes all things according to the counsel of his will, there's there's no difficulty at all in acknowledging that he is truly at work in the larger church mm-hmm. and that God is powerfully working even in the lives of Christians whose theology is fundamentally wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's not a problem for me to acknowledge. And I think, you know, the spirit works and sanctifies, the spirit brings us nearer and nearer to truth. And yet there is room for acknowledging a broadness in the church. And so on the one hand, you will not find many, let's say, 
more doggedly, not sectarian maybe, but but doggedly committed to the particulars of the Reformed faith Mm -hmm. people than I am. And at the same time, I would argue that like that very commitment enables me to have an openness towards the the rest of my brothers and sisters in Christ. I try to do for them what my first seminary professor did for me to to help them come to a deeper appreciation of truth. You know, we we sharpen one another as we interact and we encourage one another as we interact and 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 I think that's the relationship that our church ought to have with other Christian churches in our area, in our region, instead of thinking of ourselves as like the only good church, we want to recognize God working in, in other congregations, in other churches, and, and do everything we can to help everyone whose faith is in Christ to gain a deeper understanding of that faith. We're open to... God's working in in all the church. I I think that's just true. One question I have then is, do we also learn from them? You you mentioned we want to help others out of a place of confidence grow in their understanding of, of the Bible. Do you also learn from your Lutheran or Catholic or evangelical brothers and sisters, or how does that relationship work? Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. I always go back to this passage in Calvin's Institutes where he talks about not despising the truth no matter where it comes from, mm-hmm. because that truth is a gift from the Holy Spirit. And if it's the case that God reveals the truth to us, sometimes through the lips of unbelievers, why would we ever think that he doesn't also reveal the truth to us through the lips of believers who differ with us, even on, on issues that are important? You know, I don't for a moment uh, want to de-emphasize the importance of those distinctives. But at the same time, if we believe in the God we believe in, then we have to expect that he will teach us through a variety of sources. Mm-hmm. And I think it's unmistakable when you think of who we are as Reformed Christians, we can look back on our history and recognize that our history is the history of the church. Like we've inherited this great legacy from those who've gone before us. We have benefited from them. And you even see this, you know, we've talked about it before, like in our sanctuary, you know, we have uh, a Lutheran altarpiece that's been adapted. We have in our theology ideas that have been handed down to us. And so there's nothing uniquely ours about our faith. All of it comes to us through Christ and oftentimes mediated through different parts of his church. And so, you know, I'm like so many people have been greatly edified by other believers and other traditions. I think the the thing that allows me to accept that with so much positivity, though, is is just how wonderful and majestic our own tradition is. Mm. Like, I'm not worried that if I listen too much to other people that I'll be like lured away from the Reformation or something like that. I mean, this is an incredible legacy that Reformed Christians have, one that we are anxious, I think, to invite more people into. But but here's the thing, like I believe that that influence can 
take place in a variety of, of contexts, right? So some people will be influenced by us, by entering our churches and becoming one of us, as it were, while others will get that influence secondhand, you know, maybe through PCA authors or, or friendships or something like that. And I think in the same way, you know, there's no question that other Christian traditions have benefited all of us similarly, right? There, yeah. there are things that, that we all should thank a Lutheran for, things we should all <laughs> thank an Anglican for, or, you know, what have you. There's no problem acknowledging that because, again, God is at work throughout, and all truth is God's truth. And my hope is that we as a church will make our contribution to that larger conversation and will never feel so anxious about who mm. we are that we're reluctant to participate in the body of Christ in that way. It's interesting that we're having this conversation now because just this last week I finished I finished a book by an Eastern Orthodox scholar. Mm. And I'll be honest, the book was was really good. I, I really enjoyed it. I found some profound arguments, really persuasive stuff. I won't say who the author was or what the book even was, but not all of it, but you know, points of it were just really, really well put. And it was on, it was on a particular topic of religion on the existence of God. And, and I found myself thinking, this is interesting. You know, I don't really know a whole lot about Eastern Orthodoxy, um, but I'm learning some things that I know cohere with my own reformed faith right? that we share in common. And and it got me thinking, it seems inevitable that every Christian tradition or stripe or denomination has some focal points. And it's hard to, to always hold all of the truth of the gospel and of the Bible together at once in one tradition because it's so vast, it's so great. So those focal points can maybe be things that we can really grasp and, and learn from other traditions. So yeah. So, so like Luther and baptism, I mean, Luther always is talking about baptism. I, I think I don't always agree with the Lutheran view, but his reminder to remember your baptism is just something that I've right. talked about before. So, yeah. Like, so if you think about it this way, like it would probably surprise a lot of people. Like if you'd only ever gone to a Presbyterian church and then you found out that C.S. Lewis wasn't Presbyterian and G.K. Chesterton wasn't Presbyterian. And you're like, I don't understand because my pastor is quoting these guys mm -hmm. all the time. Tolkien's not Presbyterian. <laughs> I mean, I assumed he was based on how much airtime he got in sermons. Um, there are certain figures that we've sort of um, baptized as yeah. it were into our communion in that way. And I think, you know, it, it's, it's good to acknowledge and recognize the influence of these people on us. And you can be critical of it. Like, you don't have to accept all of it, of course. But it is part of what God has given us. On the other side of that, when I think of G.K. Chesterton, it's interesting if you read Chesterton's Father Brown books, anytime you have a character who's a Protestant, anytime... You know, you have especially like a nonconformist sort of conservative type Protestant. You know, he's the murderer <laughs> because Chesterton had such a, an unflattering view of his fellow Christians. Like, like for him, like Roman Catholics, they got it and everybody else was wrong. And so uh, maybe that's oversimplifying. Mm -hmm. but, but he had what we would think of as a, a more sectarian view. 
And it really feels like a blind spot for him. You know, that there are things that he fundamentally misunderstands because he approaches the world that way. And so on the one hand, I, I love the way that I have been so enriched by you know, everyone from Dostoevsky to Flannery O'Connor, neither of whom were Presbyterians. Mm. But again, you'd think they were based on how many times Presbyterian ministers cite them. On the other hand, when I see examples of, of people I've admired who have had these blind spots that, that they've not acknowledged the, the broadness of, of God's work, um, I don't want to be that way. Mm. You know, I don't want people to look and say, well, you know, that guy, you know, he didn't understand what God was doing here or what have you. So it can be uncomfortable sometimes, you know, and I know that people, people would prefer if you quote an author who's not a hundred percent on board with what we believe that you would give a trigger warning. But my first experience in a reform seminary was liberating because of the confidence that people had in the truth of the reformed faith that they would recommend and interact with authors from all over the place with confidence and, and not, not give those little equivocating warnings and, and act fearfully that if you actually read those guys and compared them to you know, what, what we're saying that you would see that they're right and we're wrong. I don't have any room for that. And so I, I want to cultivate a confidence that I think needs to, or a confidence that, that depends on interacting with the larger world. And if with the larger world, then the larger church. So at Grace, we're not walking around with the blinders on. We're aware of what's happening in the culture. We're aware of what's happening in the larger church. We acknowledge the, the spirit is at work in both of those places. And we are looking for God to do great things in them and for us to be taught great things by them. And even so, we have a great confidence in our standards because we believe they are derived from God's word, which is the greatest source of truth available to us. That's all the time we have for now. My thanks, as always, to Cameron for asking such penetrating questions. And thanks to you for listening in as we discuss the answers. We appreciate you thinking God's thoughts after him along with us. We hope you'll join us next time. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed the commentary, you can rate us on your favorite podcast app, Share episodes with your friends on social media, and you can subscribe to the commentary on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out more about us online, please visit graceforsufalls.org.